0: Welcome to WordBirds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris. Hello and welcome to WordBirds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, a bit of a celebrity. Forbes, 30 Under 30, Business Insiders, 30 Creatives Under 30, and Digiday's Changemakers. Melissa Rosenthal, currently Chief Creative Officer at ClickUp. Today, we're going to talk about how personality plays a role in brand work. We're going to look at the challenges associated with content creation when content is the product. And finally, how to use fun and creativity to overcome competition. Let's sit back and get some insight from the flock. Melissa, welcome to WordBirds. Super excited to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me Nick. excited to be here.
0: Well, let's dig into some interesting things. I think with all the things that you've done, I mean, quite illustrious Forbes 30 under 30, Business Insiders 30 most creative under 30, and DigiDays change makers, in addition to probably things I don't know about. Brand work seems to be one of the things that you've been engaged with for quite some time. Like to kind of understand how you see building personality and brand with content with creative? How do you load that in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that like content is, is so I would say saturated, right? Like everyone has a strategy for everything that they're doing across content. And if you don't differentiate through building what that personality is, and that feeling and that tone and that sentiment that you want to get across, then you're just going to kind of fall flat. Think about the noise out there when you're consuming content, you see something and does it even make an impact in your mind? Like There's so few things I think that resonate these days. That in order to really have an impact, you have to build that second layer of what the content is, where the content just isn't enough anymore. It's building in that aspect of personality. And then obviously, like, depends on the medium and depends on the format and depends on the target. And there are a lot of other kind of qualifiers of like how you do that and what the thought process is. But I think like it's not a nice to have anymore, just given just the sheer amount that people consume on a daily basis. And that's been the case for years. But, you know, especially in very, I would say, very, competitive environments, it's really important to be able to differentiate. And a great way to do that is through building that personality, which reflects up to your brand.
0: It's interesting, because I think everybody in my role, I run a marketing organization, thinks that they know how their audience wants to hear them. And so the first thing that I did when I got to this company was define a tone of voice. And we did the normal marketing exercise of it's smart, but not arrogant. It's funny, but not sarcastic. It's blah, 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 blah. And a bunch of other characteristics that we wanted to build into the way we communicate. But A, turning that into actionable guidelines is challenging. What does it really mean? And then B, governing that across an organization becomes a challenge. Once you've defined that personality, how are you making sure that personality is shining through in everything that you do?
1: I think you have first to define it and to be able to do it, you really have to experiment with it, right? Like I think to just go out there and be like, we know exactly what's going to land and exactly how we're going to do it. That's probably not completely accurate. So giving yourself the opportunity and hopefully you have the backing of leadership and who, whoever is in charge to be able to take those chances and try things out and test. So it's all about testing. And then once you're able to do that, you feel that you see what's resonating. You can then kind of like, it's twofold. It's having that to start, right? It's having that North Star of like how you want to come across, what the tone is, what the personality is and testing that. And then once it starts to really shine through, being able to say, what does that mean across like everything that we're creating? Right. Is it that extra spark of this, this, this? Because the more people that you layer on within any company, when I started, we were 60 or 70 people and we're about a thousand. So you have a lot of other voices and opinions in the room, which is fine, but you have to be able to like make sure that you always still have that spark and that throughput of what that personality is that runs through everything that you create because it's easy when you're working with product marketing for them to get very caught up in like the technical aspects of things and the features and things that are important, of course, very important for marketing product, but there needs to be that element of differentiation. So it's kind of like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And for us, it's kind of like inviting our users into our narrative with humor and with honesty to kind of cut through that like very, very corporate seriousness and just like supporting people's lifestyle of being productive and just doing that in a way where we come off as like a friend that's there to help you through it. And I think that we do that and try to do that in everything that we do, whether it's a tweet or a series that we're doing on social or a performance ad or our user conference and the content we put out and the feeling of that. And that's put through everything. So kind of identifying what it means to you and then making sure that it shines through everything, regardless of how big the company gets and how many people you're working with, you can always like input that creative aspect of it.
0: And do you think, I mean, I think the answer is yes, but do you think that being able to do that well, having an established personality that shines in the things that you do is part of the reason that you can grow a company from 50 or 60 people to a thousand people in the amount of time that you've done that?
1: I think it's certainly a part of it. I mean, I think that even without mega budgets, if you have something that truly differentiates and stands out and makes you memorable, of course, the answer is you're going to be able to grow faster. And I think we're in a phase in like technology where everything has been so completely democratized that it's very easy to build feature parity and tech parity, where your moat in terms of technology is not what it used to be. So how do you grow while your moat is is a game of like others catching up to you. And I think that's through standing out with a unique voice and a unique perspective and a unique brand. So I definitely think that that's one key factor. I mean, there are certainly others, right? There's like the product has to be great. The customer service has to be exceptional. It's not the only driver, but I think it's like one of a bunch of cylinders that need to be firing at the same time to be able to see the type of growth that we've been able to see.
0: But if you changed up everything that you were doing right now, from a tone of voice standpoint, from a terminology standpoint, that's going to have an impact.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, and people will notice. I think that is cool because it shows that people resonate enough or it's memorable enough and differentiates enough that like, there would be a huge impact or a shift if we were to change it up, which means we've built something that is memorable.
0: And I think that it speaks to the business that you're in, because a lot of businesses that were the size that ClickUp was when you got there don't have creative leads. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. You maybe have a content marketing person, but if you really want to do this right and grow based on creativity, there's a necessity that most businesses are not dealing. Yeah.
1: With. I mean, credit to Seb, our CEO, who like had that foresight to say, hey, like this is an important part of how we want to differentiate ourselves. If we're able to like make ourselves famous to the niches that we're going after, we're going to have a competitive advantage there that others won't. I do think that that's like a really, I think it's such like probably an underrated thing that people aren't thinking about until maybe it's too late, where it's like, who are we in market? We're just marketing features. Wait, our features are very similar to others. Everyone is in the same category. Everyone's raising money and catching up. And then it's like, well, how do we build our moat? And I think mode is a lot about community and a lot about brand and identity and features and product, of course, but it's a big part of it.
0: Okay. How did you know? Like of all the companies, there's so many I'm going to dramatically simplify and you'll probably get annoyed, but so many project management solutions out there in the world and you left BuzzFeed to go work at one and a small one at that. Was it the expectation of the founder and CEO that that he wanted this level of creativity, wanted to differentiate? How'd you know? How did you do this?
1: So after I left BuzzFeed, I went to build a company with my old boss. And it was called Cheddar. And Cheddar was really like such an exercise in just like completely building a brand that was so differentiated from the incumbents that people had to pay attention to it. And it was taking these learnings from BuzzFeed, applying it to a completely new medium, still media, but new medium, but building it up from the ground up again and taking on legacy companies in which BuzzFeed, we really never needed to do because we were the first. But at Cheddar, we were going up against CNBC and MSNBC and all of these behemoths in market. So to build a brand that stood out against them was an exercise in exactly what I'm doing today. So that was a pretty big learning. We're kind of simple, but really made a huge difference. One of which was our logo was a piece of cheese and it was not cheddar cheese. So people had a huge issue with that. And the fact is like, who cares what kind of cheese it is? Like the fact that you're talking about what kind of cheese it is, like is great. We made the logo bright pink when all of our incumbent competitors had very hyper-masculine silver, dark, logos. So to stand out and also be brought a very fresh perspective, like our tone and was young and hip and into technology and finance and venture capital and what was being funded. And it, it kind of like everything was this cohesive like we look different, we feel different, we speak differently and we talk about things that other people aren't talking about that we know that you know millennials and Gen Z and everyone has an interest in. And that was like a very big lesson in branding and in being honestly like a big part of our growth Was through our branding and through other really creative aspects of what we did and how we came across in market. So I think that was a lesson. And then coming to ClickUp, it was okay. Let's take these two experiences and apply that to a industry that felt very stiff to me. I had worked with a ton of different project management systems. I didn't like any of them that I had worked in before. They never really felt differentiated from each other. They all just kind of felt like, all right, well, let's swap one out with the other when another team wants to use something different. So to build something that could stand out in like a SaaS market and a competitive market was really exciting and kind of a next like big challenge. Like I had done it in media. What was the application of what I had learned in media over to to SaaS and project management?
0: Brand voice doesn't mean your voice. Use AcroLinks to stay on brand. Right. I mean, because you've gone from a small business to now catching and surpassing some of the perceived leaders in the space in a very short amount of time. So if, I mean, if that can be attributed to the creativity of the brand work that you've done, I think that's amazing. But I don't want to skip over BuzzFeed because I'm a fan. The interesting aspect of BuzzFeed for this audience is the fact that I'm used to content as a way to communicate product. But at BuzzFeed, content is the product, the pressure's on. It's You can hide behind a good piece of software, mm-hmm. but if your product is the content you're creating, how do you consistently manage that process for success and growth?
1: Well, content is not only the product that you're creating, it's the entire monetization model. So you have both sides of that pressure, which is you're creating this content for advertisers that you're expected to sell to them, that's expected to perform, and then you're creating content as the model of your actual like company and traffic source and lifeline and like lifeblood of the company. So it takes on a completely different meaning. There are different pressures that come along with it, right? You're able to experiment a lot more. Once you figure out formulas, you're able to create those formulas and extrapolate on them and to create things that you know are going to go viral because you understand how the internet works and you understand how audiences resonate. So there's a freedom there that is is great to have because you're able to create things that you just know will work. And it takes a Ton of experimentation to get to that level. But once you have it, you have it. You have the formulas. So there is a level of like, you're not creating content to sell X. So if you're not doing that, you're not beholden to those kind of like guidelines, right? And restrictions. On the advertising side, it's hard because you're trying to convince advertisers that content can work for them. Easier now because that sounds like very table stakes, but it wasn't when we first started it. And to try to convince any advertiser that they should have a video or a content marketing strategy was painful they were just using banner ads and Google. So to convince them that they should have a budget that is strictly used for social content and content in general was was tough. But yeah, I mean, it's very different. I mean, the confines of what you're working in, you're working in less of a box, but the pressure is greater. You need to hit these traffic goals. And that's kind of like what you're doing every day versus like creating content on behalf of trying to sell something that's more tangible.
0: Yeah, I mean, there really is no weekends when you're running a TV station. And that's essentially what you were doing. That's essentially what BuzzFeed is. It's just a TV station with lots of shows.
1: I mean, they're creating movies now, too. So it's a movie studio as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of things. So let's jump forward again back to ClickUp. As you've been growing this company... There is a lot of competition in the space. And I know one of the things that is a sort of a cornerstone of you is your fearlessness in your approach towards growth against competitors. It's okay, I suppose, to punch up at competitors, even if it feels a little bit gross and controversial. Talk about that. Like, how are you making that work?
1: So there are two levels of punching up. There is one which is creating strategies where you're positioning yourselves next to your competitors in a way where you can kind of come out of nowhere and be next to them in market. And I think that's one strategy that's not even controversial. It's just a strategy that works. Then there's the other strategy of can you take jabs at them? Can you poke fun at them? Can you do something in a playful way that catches attention that really positions yourself against them? Now that's the controversial piece. And I think going into it and understanding that is like the first step of it, which is kind of, you know what you're getting into. You understand that like it's a very polarizing thing to create like a campaign that goes up against a specific competitor. Obviously like Mac and PC is kind of the most famous example. I think there were rules around it. And the first rule I would say is it's acceptable when the competitor has become known in mainstream for the struggles with it, right? If you're seeing memes made about the competitor that you're going up against and very, very clear frustrations and thousands of Reddit threads, you're a little bit almost playing with just like mainstream culture at that point. Less like going after like some random competitor. So I think there's that which makes it you're kind of like taking it from that step of like, okay, are we going to do this? This feels okay. Like this has become like this kind of cultural meme, right? And then you're able to then say, okay, what is step two of that? And step two of that is how do you do it in a way that isn't gross? Can you create like the content and the advertising that feels almost like a Saturday Night Live skit that has that like element of like smart humor? And yeah, of course, like not everyone is going to appreciate it. Some people are very touchy, polarizing. They don't think that that's appropriate. Oh, can't you talk about yourself and not go up against your competitors? But if you understand that and you go into it, then I think you can at least take that second step, which is the approach of like, how do we do this in a really smart way? And how do we create storylines and narratives that play to what we want to say, but do it in a way that is just like, you're going to think it's genius if you like it. And if you don't like it, you don't like it, right? So I think that there are just kind of rules around it. Like we wouldn't do that against every. Every single competitor that we have, it doesn't make sense to do that. But if you're able to do it because you feel like there's like culturally green grass around who you're going after and what you're saying about them, you can do it. And also like we take opportunities. Like I think if you're going to give us airtime at your conference, say something ridiculous, like we're going to act like a media company and we're going to take it and remix it and share it out. And I think that's like obviously very much a BuzzFeed mentality. It's like, how do we create something out of that and make it really funny and like make them regret it a little bit? And I think it's fun. It's also just like the competitive, like jousting, like can be fun and it should be looked at at that. And it doesn't need to be gross. Like Airtable put a billboard up right next to ours. And I celebrated that on my LinkedIn because I thought it was really funny. And I was like, you know what? This is great. Like having competitive fun is, I think, a great part of the industry. And I think bringing that back a little bit, there's nothing wrong with it. I think if it's done in a fun way, I appreciate it. I think it's smart.
0: Do you know the people at the competitors companies that you're doing it against? Do you have connections and relationships with those folks? It's even more fun if you're doing it with friends.
1: No, no, I don't. A couple of them have reached out, though, and kind of said, like, well-played. So that was nice. Some of them have certainly ignored us and haven't been so happy about it. But no, no to no. their I, own I don't, peril,
0: I though. I mean, yeah, if you just probably. ignore it and think that it's going to go away, that might not go away.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you also kind of have to be okay with, like, ruffling some feathers and becoming, like, public enemy number one in some people's eyes. And I think I've always just been okay with that.
0: Well, it's not like you're dying. <laughs> Boxing the CEO's wife.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not releasing a dossier. It's a little bit less pressure than that, and I think Some really know, bad feeling confident confident. in the
0: world. A billboard is not one of them. It's
1: a hundred percent. It's like having a little sense of humor goes a long way, and I think a lot of people appreciate it.
0: The whole approach towards it is. I like the idea of looking at it through the lens of a media company and how would this be handled if this was a thing that was happening in the world? Because it kind of is. Like One of our competitors is aggressively marketing on our AdWords, on our keywords. And we're like, oh no, what are we going to do? I don't know. What would happen if this was someplace else in the world? And how do we look at that with a of trying to solve this problem to our benefit in a way that's kind of fun, draws some entertainment around it and attention to us. I mean, that's a huge takeaway for me out of this is I don't need to go and burn their house down. I can have more fun than that. Doesn't need to be the big option. Fantastic. Melissa, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for being on the show. If people wanna continue this conversation with you, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: I am very easy to find on LinkedIn, search my name, send me a message, always open to chatting and meeting new people in the industry outside of the industry. I really enjoy it. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to continue the conversation there.
0: Excellent. Thank you again. And I hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by AcroLinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes. At Acrolinks.com slash wordbirds. If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com.
1: That's all for now. See you next time.